the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, hello, and if no one said it to you, let me be the first to wish you a happy Valentine's Day. Welcome to this February the 14th, Wednesday edition of Lifeline. Craig Roberts keeping you company, as we uh, typically do here during these hours from 5 to 7 p.m. And so uh, whatever you got in store for this evening, Glad to spend at least a little bit of the time with you. Speaking of Valentine's Day, coming up tonight, hour number two, a special Valentine's-oriented program, particularly for you uh, young lovers out there, maybe the older ones as well, taking a look at some of the keys to a happy, successful marriage. Joining me, Reverend Tim and Vanessa Russell. You'll undoubtedly recognize Vanessa's name. She hosts a program here on KFAX over the weekends, and uh, together Together, the two of them for a long time used to hold a, a, a host a program called Equally Yoked, and so we thought, hey, wouldn't it be fun to get them together and talk about their years of uh, marital bliss and challenges, and what it all means to have a successful Bible-based. Christ-centric marriage relationship. So that's going to be the topic coming up tonight in hour number two. Hour number one, lots to talk about, so let's get down to cases. Talking about love and marriage, those two components, frighteningly enough, According to more research, and there's been some stuff out we've talked about from uh, Pew Research Center related to um, an alarming new rate. Now, historically, we've discussed a lot about the divorce rate in America and um, a lot of the evidence that demonstrates that it's been almost as alarmingly high within the church as it is outside of the church. Well, if you think we're worried about folks that get married and then get divorced, Don't think that young people aren't paying any attention. Because mom and dad, they certainly are. They're looking at the messages being sent by society and sort of, they, you know, don't like your husband today, don't care for the way your wife does her hair, divorce him. That attitude, coupled with an increasing level of media, shall we say, celebration of single life and, you know, easy relationships, no obligations, none of that. Well, that message is getting through. And uh, you talk about the change in the impact that the media has had on attitudes. An increasing number of young people today not only don't see any benefit in marriage, things like having children, but quite frankly have soured on the idea altogether. 
And while certainly the lack of healthy role models is part of the equation, the influence of media, everything from what they watch in the movies, on television, through the Internet, the messages that are generated online, are certainly having an, having an impact, and it isn't a good one. We'll explore this a bit deeper as we visit with Melissa Henson, Vice President of the Parents Television and Media Council. And Melissa, thanks for being with us today. You know, it's one thing to talk about alarming increases in the divorce rate in America today, but when you begin to uncover that only one in four adults believe that having children is extremely or very important to having a fulfilled life, it really says something, and it's not a good message. That's right. And thank you for having me on, too. It, it is a, a troubling picture. And as you mentioned, it's not merely that the divorce rate is so high. I think something like 50% of first marriages end in divorce. Um, but, but young people today of marrying age have very little interest in settling down and getting married and very little interest in having children. And that potentially disastrous, uh, you know, for the future of the country. I mean, already, um, you know, if it weren't for if it weren't for immigration, we would be facing population collapse because um, native-born Americans are not replacing themselves. Um, so it is a very troubling picture. And of course, you know, kind of lying, undulating down below the surface of that sense of an increased or decreased value, rather, in the importance of marriage, I think is also the notion that we've seen steadfastly promoted, underscored, encouraged by media and entertainment is the idea that, you know, why even bother? In other words, you know, the complexities of finding somebody, going through a courtship, proposing, getting married, having kids, going through through divorce, starting over again, you know, divorce court battles, custody battles, alimony. Hey, isn't it a lot easier just to go out and find casual relationships? I mean, certainly there's been uh, a whole steady stream of programs and movies that appear on online streaming services that um, promote that message. But quite frankly, I would argue that message has been um, center stage in, in modern film and television since the late 1960s. Yeah, uh, I think that's absolutely true. And um, what I think is very telling is in 2008, the PTC, that's uh, the organization that I work for, we did a study looking at how marriage was treated on television. Um, and if you think back, that was about 15 years ago. So kids who grew up watching the programs that I'm about to talk about, um, those are the kids that would now be of marrying age. And what we found in 2008 was um, that sex in the context of marriage was either non-existent or uh, to the extent it did exist it was depicted as burdensome rather than as an expression of love and commitment um, we found that across broadcast networks which was the dominant medium then no longer but at that time it was um, verbal references to non-marital sex outnumbered references to sex in the context of marriage by nearly three to one scenes depicting or implying sex between non-married partners, outnumbered scenes depicting or implying sex between um, between married partners by a ratio of four to one. So, you know, if, if you're a child and you're growing up and you're consuming media that routinely denigrates uh, the institution of marriage, uh, that makes it seem like it's a burden, it's a chore, that there's no spark, there's no romantic interest there after you've been married, um, 
but by contrast, non-marital or extramarital relationships are fun and exciting, then kids are going to internalize that message. And I think what we are seeing now is um, those messages coming, those chickens are coming home to roost. And and, uh, the sour attitude that many young adults now have about getting married. And, and, you know, to to your observation about the chickens coming home to roost, that resonates so strongly because when you have the observation of children who have not had the benefit of being able to, as they grow up, um, reflect back on healthy marriage relationships with their parents. And I understand things happen. Relationships don't always work out. Uh, I myself am the product of a broken home. Uh, never any fun. Um, certainly, young men and women that grow up, fall in love, get married, if they are, are from broken homes, they've missed out on that mentoring, that modeling uh, of what a healthy, wholesome, together family looks like. So they are inclined to repeat a lot of the mistakes. And then I think, Melissa, when you couple that with the subtle and oftentimes these days not so subtle messages being put out by media, social media, entertainment that says, yeah, no big deal. You know, that whole marriage thing is certainly kind of, you know, yesterday's news, it's passe. We watch Ricky and Lucy Ricardo in separate twin beds on television and laugh at it. Um, they're, they're underscoring not only dangerous messages, but, you know, we don't talk a lot about the notion of what happens to a society when it begins to fail to replenish itself and replace itself and and what what that means uh, and and the impact that it has on the health of a nation and the entire idea that we have falling birth rates and part of it is because some people are just saying, you know, the value of marriage and having children just isn't there for me. And I've got to say, when we begin to look, and I know I'm going to date myself here, but when we begin to look at the impact of things like the film industry abandoning the old Hays Code and this not creep, this rapid change in the moral direction of entertainment that then spilled over into television and now in all forms of media and entertainment, that sends messages that run contrarian to traditional family values, healthy relationships, the value of, you know, dual parent families, love and the benefits of marriage and all that. We're really reaping what we've sown, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to go back to a point that you touched on um, a little bit ago, which I think is really important that um, this is a generational shift, right? So if you went back to... um, programs that aired in the 50s and 60s, you think about Leave it to Beaver or Ozzie and Harriet or Father Knows Best or even the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, These were, you know, maybe idealized families, and sure, I've heard the criticism that, you know, families like that never really existed, that that it was, you know, a fabrication, that it was an unrealistic ideal, but at least it was an ideal. And I've had conversations with people who came from troubled home lives, who had um, came from broken families who, who who had difficult childhoods but they they took some solace you know in being able to watch those shows and say maybe that kind of a, a family life is possible and what kind of solace do kids today who are growing up in broken homes what kind of solace do they have they, they have nothing um, instead what they are being fed is content that is reinforcing this sort of negative, 
notion or negative ideas that they may have developed about uh, about what marriage and family life is all about. Um, and I think that's very damaging. And, and I think it explains why we have in this country right now, we have a, a mental health crisis among teens and young adults. We have a loneliness epidemic, especially among young men. Um, and uh, you know, um, a lot of a lot of uh, promiscuity uh, among young adults. Um, not only are they not interested in settling down, they're not even interested in a monogamous relationship, whether whether it's married or not. They're they're just you know um, going on dating apps like Tinder and what have you, and and just looking for casual hookups. And I think that's in the long run very very damaging to a young person's mental health. Absolutely so, and sadly, as you say, when you when you lose the mentoring at home, and then there are no positive reinforcements to any of the messaging, and all the other places where children are influenced, not only by the peer pressure, but by shall we say it, the electronic pressure, it's setting up a pretty dangerous precedent. If you've just joined us, our conversation with Melissa Henson, Vice President of the Parents Television and Media Council. Longtime listeners to this program know that I have long argued that many of these messages coupled with all of the violence that we see and and, and driving home that message that entertainment, violence, diversion, violence, settling disputes, violence. We teach our kids that, uh, that adults settle things by going to war, picking up a gun, whatever. Guess what? They're getting the message and they're acting out that way. You want to know why we see this alarming increase in, 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 in brutality on the streets and people just willingly pick up a gun, don't think twice about it to shoot somebody else because you took my parking place? We have trained them. Don't believe for a moment that these messages and these vehicles that are used to deliver the messages are not powerful. Because if you believe that, I hate to say it, you're a fool. Let's get a time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation. What exactly is love? Hollywood apparently doesn't have a clue. As Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And that again will be on KFAX, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> Welcome back to the conversation. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, yeah, Craig, I've seen some of this stuff, this, shall we dare say, even filth on television. I got I to wonder, where is the FCC? Shouldn't the federal communication? Well, the FCC has got limited control and in influence. Yes, there are the seven dirty words you're never supposed to say on television, and there are restrictions in terms of uh, the degrees of nudity and what have you before 10 o'clock at night. But at the end of the day, the amount of control that the commission has over content is extremely narrow. Move over to things like Internet delivered services. I'm thinking of, you know, everything from uh, Netflix to Hulu, et cetera, et cetera. Well, there's no control there at all. Likewise, cable television has zero restrictions. Now, you'd hope that they'd try to make some kind of an effort. But you know what? At the end of the day, making the effort to do right is always going to be trumped by the effort to make money. And at the end of the day, we know certainly, uh, Melissa Henson, what drives and motivates these companies don't we? It's the almighty dollar. Well, I, I mean, that's the that's the defense that you hear them put forth is, you know, we're just delivering what audiences want. But I, I'm going to I'm going to disagree with that, because I think there's significant data to indicate that um, there's really nobody clamoring for this. I mean, certainly, unfortunately, in this 
day and age uh, with easy access to really explicit content online, people don't need to go to TV to find it. Um, but there is evidence to suggest that people are looking for and not finding enough uh, quality entertainment that they can watch with their kids, that they can watch together as a family. And even among young people, what's fascinating is there was a UCLA study uh, that came out this past fall. Um, and they found that a majority of teens want to see fewer stories uh, about dating and more stories about friendship. And a, a near majority, about 47.5%, said that sex isn't needed for the plot of most TV shows and movies. So, um, you know, this argument that they're just giving audiences what they want really doesn't hold water. I think there's significant evidence that audiences want the opposite. They want to see uh, wholesome storytelling. They want to they want to see programs that they can sit down and watch with the whole family, that they can enjoy with the kids. They don't want to have in your face, um, you know, uh, content all the time. And even that the, the kids grew up seeking out that kind of content and and um, really embracing it are starting to, to understand the harm that it did to them. Um, you know, in this piece that we, we put in a town hall, they uh, we quoted a, a young woman named Katie, a 23-year-old. She said she grew up watching Sex and the City and Girls, and she said, HBO did a number on me. Um, she 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 grew up ingrained with the idea that uh, you need to be comfortable having sex with someone you're not committed to, and that's what she did. And she found herself in some really dangerous and scary situations, and uh, regrets the choices that she made as a young as a young woman. So you're suggesting that it's not always necessarily a choice per se, and I know that's true. If we, if we look at wholesome movies, family-friendly films, they do extraordinarily well at the box office, um, and and yet I have to wonder, clearly these messages are being disseminated out there, and we have statistics to demonstrate the impact. So is it part of a more, I hate to say agenda, but maybe that's the best term, Melissa, more of a subtle agenda that's being promoted by the writers of many of these series that are slipping all of these messages in? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I like you, I'm a little wary of using the word agenda, but it does seem like there is something else going on. Um, uh, you know, maybe it's not so much an agenda, maybe it's bragging rights. Uh, you know, I mean, one of the stories that I talk about is... Um, you may remember the movie The King's Speech. Um, oh, there's yes. no reason in, that, in the world that movie couldn't have gotten a PG rating, except for one scene where they use the F word about a, a half a dozen or more times. Um, and they, they felt that, it, you know, so that gave it an R rating, which made it a serious contender for the Academy Awards. Well, after it won the Academy Awards, they re-released it without that scene. So it obviously wasn't needed. It wasn't that integral to telling the story. If they could release the, you know, PG-13 or a PG version that didn't include that scene. Um, so a lot of times I think it's, it's more about, you know, uh, being considered a serious movie. You have to have that kind of edgy content or to, to get kudos and accolades from your industry peers. Um, but it's not about delivering what audiences want. 
No, clearly not. And, and the notion somehow that if it doesn't, you know, have sex and gore, that nobody's going to bother to see it or, you know, heaven forbid, it's get anything less than an X or an R rating. People are going to feel that, well, real adults don't go to see films like that. G-rated movies are for kids. I mean, talk about a distorted viewpoint on the subject matter. And it's almost as if we're voluntarily consuming the poison because we have some misguided idea that if the rating doesn't seem to suggest adult material, that it's not a suitable for adult. I mean, that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And I'll, I'll just share with you, um, I've been enjoying watching uh, All Creatures Great and Small on PBS. Um, and I think every episode has been rated PG. Um, so there's not been anything that I would be uncomfortable letting my 15-year-old watch. He, he hasn't particularly been interested in it, but it's something that you could watch as a family without fear of embarrassment. But it's absolutely lovely and heartwarming and, and perfectly appropriate and, and enjoyable for adults as well. So it's it's really a foolish notion that you have to have that kind of edgy content in order to uh, attract adult audiences. And I think you know programs like All Creatures Great and Small show that that's not true. Yeah, clearly. And, you know, when you, when you think about the power that we have, we ought to be able to vote with our feet on things like this. And maybe we need to exercise more of that in sending sending a message that, hey, you know, uh, the, the kind of subtle and, and not so subtle messages that are being disseminated in a lot of this content is not just not what the public wants. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for, for us adults uh, as well, I think there's a lesson in there. Um, you know, I've, I've read a lot of even uh, Christian commenters uh, talking about programs like Game of Thrones or Yellowstone, which have a lot of um, pretty egregious content. And, you know, the <laughs> I think we need to use better discernment and judgment, too, even as adults, even if we're not worried about it corrupting our morals, even if we think that, you know, we're... we're we're not going to be influenced by it. I think we are in ways that maybe we don't recognize, so we need to use better judgment and discern it, discernment, too. We, we do indeed, and, you know, there's the voting with our feet, and, you know, as we do so, it sends out a message, and, and, and maybe we need to be a little bit more discriminating when it comes uh, to our choices. I mean, I, I for one, I, I, I love a good comedian, but... If you tune into somebody online and they're not five sentences in before the foul language comes out, I turn the I, I turn it off. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I I'm an adult. Um, two grandfathers that were both career Navy men, so I know all the words. <laughs> I'm not a prude in that regard. Uh, I'm not afraid that I'm going to melt if I hear it, but I don't like it. I don't need it. I don't find it entertaining. I don't find it amusing. And and those that feel that somehow if the language uh, is not in there, that it's somehow not appropriate for adults, sorry, just don't have any time. And I think more of us need to have that, that very same attitude and not be willing to compromise as easily as we are. Uh, folks want to get more information about what you guys are doing and, and keeping educated on not only what's going on in the arenas of television and entertainment, what's on the internet, etc., etc. Just take a second, if you would, Melissa, and tell folks about um, the Parents Television and Media Council. Sure. Yeah, we are a nonprofit, nonpartisan media watchdog organization. We're a grassroots organization. Um, we really rely on um, uh, vocal and active. Um, uh, parents and grandparents out there who are willing to send emails or make phone calls uh, in order to uh, uh, get some positive mo movement here in the entertainment industry. And you can learn more about us at parentstv.org. 
ParentsTV.org. Our thanks to Melissa Hansen, Vice President for the Parents Television and Media Council, for being with us on that segment of Lifeline. 5.30 from KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. You, you can hardly tell from outside, but believe it or not, spring is approaching. <laughs> here, here at uh, certainly the uh, 14th of February, but it'll be just a little over a month from now. We'll begin to see the first signs. And a great way to lead off spring is with a good, healthy outside walk. And if you're going to go for a walk in early spring, why not do it for a good cause? Well, coming up on March the 2nd is the annual Walk for Life, sponsored by our friends at Real Options. And to tell us more, we're joined by the CEO of Real Options, Valerie Hill. Valerie, welcome. And tell us all about this. I know that this is an important annual event that's not only a chance to get some fun out in the sun and get some exercise and kind of emerge from our winter cocoons, but at the same token, a great opportunity to uh, engage in educational as well as direct benefits to helping women in unplanned pregnancies. Absolutely, Craig. Thanks so much for having me tonight. Well, the Walk for Life is our one of our annual fundraisers. We do two a year. And Walk for Life is such a fun family event. We gather at Marshall Cottle Park in San Jose. It's a beautiful open space uh, to walk or do the 5K run. Uh, we've got everything there from... Uh, Chick-fil-A breakfast and breakfast burritos that are sponsored uh, for us to start out with. And then everyone takes off walking, chatting, and fellowshipping. And, and the runners are serious runners. So we've got a timing company to time the runners. We've got prizes when they come back. And um, we've got teams on you know, church teams, work teams, family teams. And people are just sort of competing in a very fun and uplifting, positive way to see who can raise the most money to help us safeguard the lives of women, men, students, and pre-born babies here in the Bay Area through our five medical clinics and our prevention education out in the schools and also reproductive loss healing through Rachel's Vineyard Retreats and Hope Program Support. So lots Lots of things are being supported. When you support Real Options, when you sign up at friendsofrealoptions.net to participate and be a walker or a runner, it's, it's for the best cause ever because it's for the cause of life and for the sacredness of human life, that we're all made in God's image and we're honoring life that day, we're celebrating life. And because it's such a big Bay Area, as you know, Craig, we're spread out and we're all, even though it's a Saturday morning, there's there's traffic and whatnot. So there will be people uh, at their churches in the East Bay with big teams and they'll do their own walk that day and their own little event and celebrate. And then we've got other large churches here in the South Bay that like to do their own their own walk or you just don't even have to show up for the event but you can still sign up to participate you get your own fundeasy page you can electronically through text and email raise those funds and get your family and friends to support you in the cause 
for life, especially for those mothers that are facing unplanned pregnancy. We want to give them real options. We want to give them the support, the holistic health care that they deserve at this time. And you know, Valerie, to that point, there have been so many negative messages out there. You just you would think the world's head exploded uh, when we saw the reversal on Roe versus Wade. And of course, states like California have kind of gone into overdrive in trying to bring forth these one-sided, very negative messages suggesting to a woman who finds herself in an unplanned pregnancy for whatever the reason that, well, you've got you got one option, and the option is go see the folks that the, the the local abortion clinic and and completely devoid of any kind of emotional support, moral support, spiritual support, uh, just being there and being able to answer questions and talk about the totality of options that are available for women. And that's one of the things that is so refreshing about real options, because it truly does just that provides women with real options. No woman, woman who, unless they are, they've been living underneath a rock, is not aware of the whole issue of abortion. But what they're often not aware of is so many of the other options out there. And women get scared and they feel as if I got to go at it alone. Nobody's there to support me. And in fact, that's not true. And so connecting women up with information, education, so that they can make an informed decision on their yeah. own as an adult has really been the, the, the key to why Real Options is here. And, and what I love about this Walk for Life is not only is it a good chance just to get out there and enjoy, as they say, some fresh air and sunshine and, and get some exercise and, and oftentimes be able to do it with like-minded folks, but at the same token, be involved in something that conveys and encourage uplifting message and the same manner is able to raise some money to help support so that this message can be disseminated to every woman who needs to hear it. So, so important that we do get the word out. We've got a beautiful staff of nurse sonographers ready to meet uh, the women that come in our clinics to give them an ultrasound to find out if they have a viable pregnancy, to date the pregnancy, to offer them prenatal care with our nurse practitioners and well-woman checkups if they're not pregnant. Um, we offer STD testing and treatment to women and men, and we even off- offer optimal health coaching to both women and men. And we really want the men to come in and, you know, if, if she's going to consider abortion, he has no say unless we can coach him and and share with him how to be a dad, how to be a support to her. Because if he doesn't care about her, if he doesn't learn how to stand up for her by protecting her, providing for her, he's not going to have a say in his child's life. And so the dad quotient is really, really important, and we care about men as well, because they're hurt as well through abortion. So it's it's a family issue it's a it's a woman issue and we don't want any woman to feel like as you said that she's alone or she's abandoned and that no one's going to care about her but we're just we're really here to to listen we're here to be good compassionate listeners to not judge to give her all the information we can to give her the counsel that we can but to help her explore how is this decision going to affect her moral code, her spirituality, her religious um, upbringing, and talk to her about God's love, God's grace, God's goodness, and all that he has 
planned for her and for her child. And when we can put our arms around a woman and we can walk beside her through her pregnancy and give her all the help she needs from prenatal vitamins to baby clothes and diapers and all the support in between, it can make all the difference in her life and for the life of her child. I want to again extend an invite to listeners to get involved in the Walk for Life coming up Saturday, March the 2nd. And of course, as Valerie mentioned, there are many walks taking place all in tandem the same day. So if you want to get more information about how to sign up, how to get involved, how you can volunteer if you'd like to do so to, to help coordinate uh, all of the uh, the activities taking place that day, we invite you to go online to friendsofrealoptions.net and get more information and they can also register at that same location can they not absolutely they can register they can sign up to volunteer they can get their fundage easy page going in about five minutes and start sending their emails out and links out we just try to make it really easy really fun and uh, get people activated motivated those that are passionate to care about life to care about families Again, the annual Walk for Life, Saturday, March the 2nd. Details on the web at friendsofrealoptions.net. That's friendsofrealoptions.net. And our thanks to Valerie Hill, CEO of Real Options, for joining us with that update. Okay, speaking of updates, uh, we're going to talk a bit about education and an update for you on some opportunities to uh, get your child a better head start in their educational careers. And then 6 o'clock hour, as we mentioned before, we're going to have a real treat for you. Uh, Reverend Tim and uh, his lovely wife, Vanessa Russell, will be with us. We're going to talk about the delightful challenges and opportunities of marriage. And uh, I think in apropos subject matters, we're talking about how to build strong marriages here on this Valentine's Day, February the 14th. We'll take a time out back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. It's remarkable when you look at the statistics, the reports coming from teachers about the differences between fundamental problems in education in 1950 versus today. For example, in a survey offered to teachers back in 1950, some of the primary concerns included things like children running in the hallways, gum chewing in the classroom, and failure that English and failure to turn in their homework on time. <laughs> Fast forward a few decades and things have changed in education quite drastically. Now teachers report concerns over things like gun violence in schools, gang fighting, and truancy, failure to even show up for class. Added to that list within the public school systems today in virtually any community across California or the nation are other concerns. Inadequate spending, imbalanced student-teacher ratios, just not enough students, just not enough teachers per student to get adequate attention, a decline in school safety, failure of the common core curricula, violence, and the other thing that teachers report, parents not being involved. 
Well, if you're frustrated as a parent as to how your student is performing in public school, and maybe you've wrestled with the idea of looking at options such as homeschooling or private or parochial education, then we've got a very interesting program that you won't want to miss a moment of. Joining me now in studio is our station general manager, Segar Cannon. And Segar, I appreciate you taking some time to be with us today to share with our listeners this amazing program that the station started about 10 years ago that helps parents who are equally frustrated by many of the very issues I've just talked about see the inadequacy of public education and and they wonder, well, what options are available to me? Toward that end, give us a brief overview, if you would, of our station's half-off tuition program. Greg, I'm glad to be here today, and thank you for um, involving me in this program. And as a parent myself, I've raised five different kids, and we were very, very uh, diligent and very vigilant about our our children getting a faith-based education and learning about the Christian worldview. Um, there, and, and we are so glad that we made that decision, and now our kids are grown up, and one of them is a professor uh, at uh, Washington State as an English uh, literature, and and uh, another one is uh, as a master's, and the third one is going for a bachelor's. So um, this is what the foundation has given them to go by. Not only what you talked about, uh, the quality of education they're getting, and the ratio, uh, public school versus private school, and and the um, the worldview. Uh, worldview they are getting uh, uh, to to give them a compass uh, for their life as a foundation. Uh, there are so many benefits in it. But let me circle back to your question about the half price uh, tuition and that we are offering. We see the benefit of private school, a Christian-based education with a Christian worldview, and also the quality of education and the social aspect and the culture and the children are involved in. And, and the teachers, quality teachers, uh, that also care for them uh, you know, individually. I mean, I'm not saying that public school teachers are not good. I mean, there are a lot of great public school teachers who care about the student, but the ratio doesn't allow them to give a quality time. Well, and that's just it. We often hear that they are overworked, underpaid. They're trying to instruct a classroom of 25, 35 students. So the ability to give the kind of individualized attention that students might need, I mean, it's, I think, unrealistic to expect every child to learn and perform at the exact same pace. So if one child needs a little bit more attention, sadly, oftentimes in the public school environment, it's just simply not possible for the teacher to give that kind of extra attention. Moreover, as you point out, the the ability to have a child who is raised with a set of values in the home, a set of values at church, and then goes to a public school and comes back with ideas that are completely contrarian to the, the kind of moral foundation the parents have tried to lay in that child's life, I know for many parents can be frustrating to even shocking, particularly in the environment today in the states like California, where we're dealing with issues related to transgenderism and the, the core curricula on many levels is, is failing our students. So then when a parent says enough is enough, we need to make a change. They begin to ponder the possibility of private or parochial education, but oftentimes reach a barrier. And that barrier is, gee, we've got two or three 
children in our household, and I'm looking at the cost of tuition, and it just seems to be beyond the pale of what our budget can handle, particularly in these inflationary times. Give us a quick snapshot. We're going to spend some time talking about the benefits, but take a moment, if you would, Sagar. Give us a bit of a snapshot as to how this very special half-off tuition program works that affords every parent the opportunity to give their children a real solid educational foundation. Well, um, what really helps us is we partner with the area private schools, and there are some fantastic, fantastic uh, private schools, especially Christian private schools, and we reach out to them and we partner with them. We help them in their marketing, and in return, what they do is they will give us the certificate or voucher that we can give it to the parents who have a child who need to go to a certain school within their neighborhood and whatever grade that is, and we have vouchers for 50% off what they would normally pay. Well, now, wait a minute. Let me pause you right there because listeners may be just half listening saying, wait a minute, did he just say 50% off, half off the regular tuition rate? Exactly. Wow. That's what that is. our program is titled half off tuition program just because we want to help the community and the parents and we can understand and empathize me having have to raise five kids of my own what the cost will be like for private schools and this program not it didn't you know kind of conceived from me but it was a program we have enhanced it and have been you know giving it to the community as an opportunity uh, to take advantage and help their children to get a great quality education with half off. Now, I understand that there are schools throughout the Bay Area that are participating, and listeners can go to halfofftuitions.com to get more details as to how the program works and which schools are available. Again, that's at halfofftuitions.com, halfofftuitions.com. And I would imagine yourself as a parent, Looking at the challenges that we've delineated in our conversation so far today, the, the notion of being able to find a child an opportunity to start school, a reasonable entrance at just a half off the regular tuition rate. I understand it has to be for a first-time student, first year. But oftentimes, this can be the make and break for a student. In other words, if they've struggled before, the parents are not only dissatisfied with the caliber and quality of education, but also dissatisfied with the environment, the learning environment overall. This can really be an incredible, life-changing experience for these young people. Exactly right. I have had parents who have reached out midway, like their, their, their children might be, you know, not in first grade or in K. There are some, but, you know, uh, uh, quite a few number of them, you know, that they are in a sixth grade or even in middle school or high school and reach out. And because of the environment is so bad, the violence and all those things you mentioned before, they were looking to put them in a private school where it's a safe environment, you know, with a great um strong sense of community and quality teaching and one-on time. So uh, there are a few parents that who have taken advantage of, of our half of tuition because they want their children to be in a better place where they can have quality education. Let's talk about some of the differences uh, that private education makes. I mean, for example, we, we, we mentioned at the onset, one of the things that seems to be frustrating to many parents is they feel as if they're, they're kind of blocked out of the process, meaning that they don't feel welcome 
even though it's their child, they're ultimately responsible. And yet any sense of the parent being able to be actively involved, participating in their child's education is something that they, they just feel as if they're not welcome. Yep, that is true. And uh, But with private schools, you know, it's, it's different. Parents often find themselves having a much more distinct voice in the private school system compared to public. Parents and administration typically experience an open channel of communications with regular parent-teacher contact, welcome parent involvement, participation in social events, and fundraising campaigns and more. Now, that leads me to another question, and that is parents being involved is just one part of the process. Another complaint oftentimes we hear from parents is the kind of learning environment that their student is exposed to. And this goes, I think, the gambit of not only whether or not the the atmosphere is encouraging to one's underlying faith, but also the kind of environment where students feel safe and they don't feel as if they have to be uh, uh, defending their faith. Yeah. Well... Private schools as safe learning environment. As long as I've been doing this program, uh, Craig, I've yet to get one complaint about that safety in the environment. Families love the fact that private schools offer a safe learning environment with a culture that plays emphasis on personal responsibility and ethics. The lower staff-to-student ratio allows for more observation and intervention in case of a conflict. So there's engagement, and there's also a way to deal with issues as they're just beginning to appear, as opposed to waiting until they've festered and gotten way out of hand. Absolutely. And remember, it's first come, first serve, so don't delay. Get, so don't delay. Get more information today. Go to halfofftuitions.com. That's halfofftuitions.com. In the darkest night, even the smallest light shines bright. Remember, we are called to be salt and light. AM 1100 KFAX San Francisco and at oneplace.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.